Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Let's do another podcast, Coach Roberts. Well, why not? It's always fun to set aside a little bit of time with my business partner and wife to talk about the sports that we really enjoy and about life. It's always a pleasure talking about just life. You and Bethany and I were playing a different game this week. We were playing Phase 10, and I was being really whipped up on. I started out great, and then I just got stuck. But I was saved because Jacob and Ellie-Ann came in, and so we all just stopped playing our game and started playing with Ellie-Ann while Jacob ate. The cards are still out, and the score pad is still out, and I was a scorekeeper. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't... I'll take that back, yeah. It was bad. You're right. It was bad. You and Bethany were doing well. It was was, close for a while. I was... Wow. But we were only halfway through the game. Anything could happen. Yeah. And this game is one that you need certain cards, but then you can't discard certain cards because the person next in turn may need that card as the only card they need to go out. So I was just stuck between a rock and a hard spot. You needed a one to go out and I kept drawing ones. So I had a fistful of ones and I was supposed to be getting a run of eight. So it wasn't going to happen. So finally I just discarded a wild card and got it over with. And fortunately I was behind you. So I was the beneficiary of that wild card. Yes. Well, I did wait until Bethany was able to lay down her cards on that turn because if I had started throwing off my wild card early and she still had a fistful of cards. Oh, you would have been in trouble. Yes, because I feel like maybe you did that to her once and no, I'm not doing that. I had forgotten about that. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. She came by today and I suggested we finish that game. She did not bite. I don't think she was enjoying it. Yeah, and uh, you gave her credit today for fixing our oven. Who knew that self-cleaning your oven could cause trouble with the oven? (laughs) Well, you obviously had some concerns about it because we were going to bed last night and still had 33 minutes left of self-cleaning, which when I started the self-cleaning, I didn't really realize it was a four-hour process. So next time I will do that earlier in the day. But the reason I went ahead and did it is I thought about it last week, but it was already warm outside. And then the oven just heats up your house even more. So yesterday it had gotten chilly again. So I thought, well, I'll kill two birds with one stone. I'll warm up the house a little bit and get the oven clean. So we went to bed while it was still cleaning. And I was concerned because... Well, first of all, we don't do that very often, and I knew that the oven was at an extremely hot temperature, hot enough to clean everything out. Anyway, it was fine during the night, but when I woke up this morning and left the bedroom, there was a odd clicking noise coming from the kitchen, and as I investigated, it was coming from the oven, 
and I opened, and we have a double oven. I opened both doors without any difficulty, and the clicking stopped, but something just wasn't right because the door lock indicator was flashing, and the light on the bottom oven was not on, so I didn't have time to troubleshoot. I had plans at the swimming pool this morning, you know, priorities and all. But you figured out later in the day that the bottom door was not shut. And that's when we discovered that the door lock mechanism was stuck in a lock position while the door was open. Now, how does that happen? I don't know. And then I came back. You were at work. I came back to your office and said, um, did you have to jar the door open? <laughs> because it's locked. And you're like, no. So I guess it, your theory is it was clicking back and forth and you just happened to open it when it was in the unlocked position. And then it, it quit going back and forth. And then it got stuck in the lock position. Yeah. So I did some Google searching and figured out that turning the power off and back on was a suggestion. That did not work. So I scheduled an appointment for the repairman for the next day. And they suggested that we leave the power off for at least two hours and then turn it back on. Which seems a little odd. It seems odd. I'd already tried 10 minutes. You would think that would be plenty of time to reset anything. Needless to say, after two hours, turned the power back on, and the lock was still in the locked position. But then while Bethany was here, and she did not want to play phase 10, we started explaining the situation to her, and then somehow we came up with the idea, let's make the door think it's closed, which there are two separate... Now, wait a minute, we're going to have to back up before we say that. You go, well, I had Googled it and found out that if the cleaning cycle finishes and the door is stuck in the locked position that you just... With the door closed. Yeah, because it's stuck. You can't open it. You just restart the self-clean and let it go back to its locked position and think it's in its locked position, even though it already was, and then hit cancel, and it may unlock. And I'm thinking, which I didn't say anything, I'm thinking, "Mm, well, why don't we do that? But then you said... Well, why don't I hold the two buttons and make it think the door is shut and somebody come over here and start the self-clean? So (laughs) I guess you were afraid that in the eight seconds that we started it and canceled it, you were going to burn yourself. So you put on these ginormous red oven mitts. I was more concerned about electrocution than I was being burned by the oven. So do we have anti-electrocution oven mitts? (laughs) They appear to be rubber. Anywho, the oven mitts were getting in the way of the lock releasing, even though it looked like it was trying to. So on the third time, you got super brave and you took off those electrocution prevention mitts and held in the buttons. And I started it, not thinking I was going to electrocute you. I didn't know that's why you (laughs) had them on. (laughs) And then I hit cancel. And it just magically unlocked. It was amazing. So we canceled the service appointment for tomorrow. Yes, and that's a good thing because they charge $100 just for walking through your door. Thank the Lord for a simple solution to an unusual problem. So in case you're wondering, this is the RYR Endurance Team and we are a triathlon and distance running podcast. We're just not there yet on the podcast today. I guess to relate this to triathlon and running, you just never know what you're going to wake up to and how you're going to need to react 
especially in race conditions, things happen and you've got to improvise to overcome them. Well, and what I noticed when I woke up and went into the kitchen, well, actually, it wasn't when I woke up because I'd been up a while doing other things. But when I went into the kitchen, what I noticed was normally after I run the oven in a cleaning cycle, there's still some cleaning to be done. And I noticed it looked perfectly clean. So I had actually come back here to say, hey, did you finish cleaning the oven? Like it looks really good. And then you explained to me that something wasn't right. And then the story unfolded as we told it. But I did clean out the debris at the bottom, trying to be nice this morning before my swim. Did you use a chemical when you did that? No, just a wet rag. Because there's something white on the bottom of the oven. I probably just smeared some of the white stuff that was there and didn't get it all. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. We'll have to take another crack at it. So anyway, I had a good workout today. You had a tough one today. Yeah. Uh, my training partner for Boston had a meeting over in Evansville today. So we waited until she got back. We met at the top of Huck's Hill at 1 o'clock. And we did our mile and a half warm up. And then we did 800s at half marathon up the hill and then did 800s at marathon pace down the hill. That was times three. And then we did four by four hundredths up the hill at 10k pace. And I say 10k pace, it's going uphill, so maybe it's 10k effort. I don't know, but it was quick. We hit our goal paces that you had set for us and then once again recovered at marathon pace and the nice thing about recovering downhill at marathon pace you're thinking man i hope at mile 22 of the marathon this is what marathon pace feels like (laughs) yeah there's not a whole lot of downhill around mile 22 of the marathon in boston no there's not but it sounds like you had a good workout good workout and you went to the poo this morning yes I've been a regular at the health club here lately, especially since I've been dealing with this foot injury. And I've been doing some extra strength training two days a week. And then I've been swimming on Tuesdays and Thursdays because that's the days that Bethany swims. And it's nice to see her at the pool, even though pool time is not very social. But yeah, I had a good swim. I've been really focusing on technique and doing some new drills, just mixing things up and... After about an hour and 20 minutes of swimming, I did a 30-minute pool run while listening to my music, and then I hopped in the hot tub for 10 minutes and was able to get home and get to work. It was a good workout. That's good. So took care of the oven, got in a swim, a pool run, some time in the hot tub, and a full day of work. It's been a busy day. And then after work, the repair of the oven. It was a good day. I've been attending a men's Bible study one night a week and attending one midweek church service at night. And then you've been going to a ladies Bible study one day a week. So our weeknights have been pretty busy, but we have one night per week where we really don't have anything planned. So I suggested on that particular day that you play your violin and I play my guitar. So maybe we'll have to start doing that. Yeah, we can start tonight right after this podcast if you want to. All right, depends on what time it is because you know how early I go to bed and how early I get up. That's true. Well, the uh, interesting thing is I bought you a guitar, what, a year ago? Like not this past December, but the December before that for your birthday because you had really gotten interested and I thought you had asked for a guitar for your birthday. And I don't think you've gotten it out one time. 
since then, although you did dig it out of the closet today. I haven't played it very many times, but it is a very nice guitar. I was thinking maybe you didn't like it. <laughs> I like it very much. Yeah. I've just been busy. Uh, there's a lot going on. Yeah, a whole lot going on. But we're hoping that we can play music together and go to a senior living community and entertain the residents. Oh, I thought we were just going to go in my mom's room and play with her in this memory care facility. No. (laughs) Oh, the plot thickens. I was reading in, I think it's the book of James, the second chapter, I believe, where James says that pure and undefiled religion is to visit widows and orphans in their need. And I was thinking about the senior living community that your mom lives at, mostly widows. I mean, we assume that. We don't know how many of the residents. There's 15 residents there now on the memory care side, four of which are men and 11 of which are women. And I have no idea if they have living spouses, but even if they did, I think that the residents that are there are to the point where it'd be very difficult to keep them safe. 24-7 in a home environment unless you hired around-the-clock people to be awake. It seems like the times that I've been there, there haven't been very many guests, and the visitor log doesn't seem to get a lot of activity. Yeah, it was a little bit easier to kind of keep tabs on the visitor log because used to you could enter right into the memory care side, but now we enter into the main entrance, which also is just a senior living community and I think they get a whole lot more activity on that side but anyway I agree with you it's a good idea to you know especially if you have a aunt or an uncle or a brother or sister or a grandmother or grandfather just you know take some time each week to pop in because chances are those people poured into your life at one point and now they can't so we need to remember to pour into their lives it's definitely a forgotten community in many ways. Yeah. A couple of podcasts ago, we talked about the PTO rankings. We did. And I mentioned that Christian Blumenfeld was not high on the list because he had a bad race of his three races. Well, I was reading earlier today about the 70.3 in Dubai, and he had a bad race. He struggled a little bit on the swim, was not making up ground on the bike, then he had a flat tire. Anyway, the Olympic gold medalist finished 10th. Wow. So That just, goes, that just goes to show you, you have to take what the day gives you. And I was just reading, too, that Sarah Hall, is that Ryan's wife's name? Yes. She ran the Berlin Marathon this past weekend. Well... Two weekends ago now, I guess. Tokyo? What'd I say? Berlin. Yes. No. Tokyo, yes, in Japan. She ran the Tokyo Marathon, and she was having the race of her life, running with the elites, until the wheels fell off. Hmm. And she still ended up eighth overall, so, I mean, if my wheels fell off and I got eighth overall, I'd be ecstatic, but she still has goals and wants to do better than that, but she finished in 224-ish, maybe, or something, so... And then, of course, Kip Choge won it, so he's won four of the six majors. I think we mentioned that on the last podcast. So I'm hoping he's in New York City, and that'll be his fifth. So he hasn't won New York yet? 
Mm-mm. He hasn't won New York nor Boston. Hmm. That's just quite interesting. He's won the other four majors. Well, looking forward to our busy year of world major marathon racing. Mm-hmm. Speaking of New York City. It's time to sign up. Yeah, everybody should be finding out pretty soon if they got into the New York Marathon. We need to remember to go online tomorrow and claim our guaranteed spot. You still have to claim it. I've set a calendar reminder to remind me. Oh, well, there you go. Because if I don't have a reminder, I'm probably going to miss it because that email account that I use for all those things, I don't check it as regularly as our coaching email or my work email. I was thinking about another topic, and I haven't done a lot of research, but I'll just bring it up. And I'll tell you why I brought it up. We had an athlete who has been running great and doing all the workouts at the appropriate intensity and did a speed workout last week and on the cool down, strained a muscle. And so I've been in prayer that he would get better and suggested he see a physical therapist. And he seems to be getting better from the conversations that we've had. But I was thinking about, are we more likely to get injured in the winter in cold weather when we're doing speed work outside? And the little bit of research that I've done basically says we need to be more diligent about a proper warm-up in the wintertime. And that includes dynamic stretching and wearing the appropriate clothing and then starting off easy before you jump into anything really intense. But other than avoiding slip and fall hazards, running in the winter can work out just fine if you focus on a proper warm-up. So that's something that we need to work on for all of our athletes. But at this time of the year, we're working our way out of the cold season, although it was really warm last week and it's turned off cold this week. But anyway, that's something that we need to continue to emphasize with our athletes. Yeah, that's for sure. So I'm in the throes of marathon training, and I'm also on a lot of different social media sites, and a lot of people who are training for a spring marathon, especially around the time of Boston, are starting to post, kind of complainy posts on Facebook. Like, oh my goodness, we're seven weeks out. I just can't even drag myself out of bed. It's blah, blah, blah. And so I just kind of started doing a little introspection as far as where I was in marathon training, like how I was feeling mentally and physically. And honestly, my training cycle has been different this time because I had gotten that virus in late November, early December. And I was negative for everything they tested, but they just assumed it was a virus. And anyway, I was, it took me what, a month to recover? Like my training was off. There was several weeks where you just felt sluggish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm feeling really good now. And so I haven't really hit that desperation of, oh my goodness, am I going to get through training? And I think you do a pretty good job too, helping me adjust my training to kind of fit where I am and look at stuff pretty closely when I'm struggling. But anyway, it made me remember a uh, article I'd read from Running Magazine online, and so I did a search for it to try to find it. And I mean, it's really just kind of funny, but it's the phases of marathon running. It's just like the shirt you have on from the Tunnel Light Marathon. That is why I put this shirt on. I didn't know that you had changed shirts. But this shirt is actually the phases for when you're running a marathon. If you haven't seen this shirt, it looks like potato chip faces. (laughs) 
that start off happy at the beginning and get progressively more exhausted until the finish line where you have a big smile and a medal around your neck. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the phases of the 26.2 miles. But this article is the phases you go through when you're training. So, you know, a typical marathon training cycle is 16 weeks. But if you're in good shape, it could be a 12-week. Or if you don't have a good base, you really want to start that build 20 weeks out or whatever. But anyway, just for the sake of argument, we'll say that the first phase is called the motivation phase. And we'll say it's like 12 to 16 weeks out from your marathon. And of course, this is when you hit that register button and you're excited and you do all the social media posts and I'm going to run a marathon and, you know, all the training is fun and, you know, you are building your mileage, but really 12 weeks out, you're not doing three hour runs or anything like that. So that's just the excitement and you just, you feel like it's an achievement that you even push register on the website. So that's phase one, according to this running magazine article. Yeah. When you put your money down, that gives you some motivation to get to the starting line. Yes. So then, you know, you've got a good month of training under your belt. So about 8 to 12 weeks out from the marathon, it goes from the motivation phase to the strenuous phase. And the long runs are starting to get real. And you may seem to be falling asleep at work because perhaps you haven't adjusted to getting to bed a little bit earlier so that you can still get all of your sleep and that type of thing. You still have a lot of motivation at this point, but you keep thinking, man, I've only done four weeks of training and I still have eight weeks to go. But, you know, you're not breaking down quite yet, but you're starting to think, hmm, this isn't all fun and games. And then from about four to eight weeks out, there's the exertion phase. And I think this is the phase a lot of the social media complainers are in right now because you're starting to scrape the bottom of the barrel for motivation but you can kind of see the shards at the end of the like just a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel but your mileage has reached a all-time high your legs are tired when the alarm goes off in the morning you're like what is that wait what it's time to run again so and really in this space you just kind of feel like you run eat run sleep run eat run sleep i need to take a tangent right here Okay. Talking about seeing shards of light at the end of the tunnel refers back to your shirt, the Tunnel Light Marathon, where you run through this two and a half mile train tunnel and it's pitch black and you maybe can see a little pinhole of light way off in the distance that takes a long time to get to. It's a really cool race out in Snoqualmie, Washington, if you ever get a chance to run that course. There's several races on that course, but it's, it's an awesome venue. For a race. It's pretty good. I liked it. I'm done with my tangent. That's all right. Take a tangent anytime you want. So we've had the motivation phase and the strenuous phase and the exertion phase. And the next one, I would like to call it the light at the end of the tunnel phase because you kind of get, they call it the carb load phase, which I mean, we're still talking four weeks. I'm not sure I'd really be carb loading, but one to four weeks out up until race day, you're getting your mojo back. You may have one more long run 
left and you're thinking i can do anything for four weeks and so you're starting to get your energy you do get into the taper mode but usually the last four weeks are much more bearable than that you know week five six seven out so you that excitement starts building again you get to the taper you do a little carb loading you definitely hone in your nutrition if you haven't already honed it in in all the phases. And you often get niggles during your taper. Yeah. And you also get really antsy. I tend to have to keep myself in check because I want to start doing all the things. Like, you know, in a few weeks, you're going to have to make sure you don't find me pulling everything out of a closet to try to redo a closet or something. <laughs> okay. So. And have to moderate your violin practice time so you don't get carried away. Yeah, well, I don't know. I feel like I'd kind of gotten carried away on that. I was trying to do 90 minutes a day, and now I've honed it back, and I'm really kind of more goal-oriented in what I want to accomplish in a day rather than how much time. So it's usually ranging from 50 to today was 72 minutes. I had a few more things on the list today, but so I digress. You are a numbers person. I am a numbers person. And then, of course, you got to have the glory phase, and that's that really doesn't happen until you do cross that finish line, especially if it's your first marathon. I could still remember clearly about a mile into my first marathon going, like panic sitting, what am I doing? I can't run 26.2 miles. <laughs> but then cross that finish line and then you're about ready to sign up and do another one 13 days later. <laughs> Not I. So anyway, if you have signed up for a spring marathon and you're starting to feel a little bit frustrated, First of all, if you're in a region of the country where it's getting warm and then getting cold and then getting warm and then getting cold, like we've had four springs so far in the last three weeks, (laughs) and then back into the throes of winter, I learned today that it's supposed to snow on Friday, even though it was 70 degrees last week. Wow. I had not heard that. Yeah. I heard it was supposed to get into the single digit feels like again. So for our athletes in this area... (laughs) We'll need to make sure that they are safe if they get outside to do whatever. Yeah. And if you're training for a marathon or if you're training for an early spring triathlon and you're in the throes of training, just remember in a few more weeks it's going to be warmer. That race date's going to be even closer. So just be patient. Make sure you're getting your rest, proper nutrition, and always the attitude of gratitude just being thankful for the ability to lace up the shoes and get out the door yeah and for the triathletes who have been cooped up indoors on their bike for months and months be patient just a few more weeks and it'll be smooth sailing for outdoor rides yes in our town cyclists were riding out in shorts and short sleeves this past weekend and now Back on the trainer. It's tough riding outside in in cold weather. Hmm. So what did you read in your Bible this morning that you want to share with our listeners? We all already shared one scripture. It's actually in James, the first chapter. It's verse, well, I'll read verse 26 and 27. Verse 26 starts off, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. That's very good. Let's go to the senior living community. I'm sure that they get lonely. Yep.
At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.